aren't any. Because rock is pretty much all about you. And humility is the antithesis. It's all about God and other people. So I was like, man, I just can't seem to find a rock song about humility. And it's weird because I'm the absolute best at being humble. You guys get that? That's funny. Pray for me, would you? And then I'll pray for you guys. Father God, I pray that you would use me tonight to communicate this message on meekness or humility or being humble, Lord. I pray that you would use me tonight and give us all ears to hear what it is that you would say. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Lynn, can I get that water? <clears throat> so, so, we've been going through the Beatitudes, right? You guys enjoying it? It's been cool. We're expanding on uh, the, the greatest sermon ever preached. We're having a good time with it. Uh, the first one, Beatitude was, the first Beatitude was poor in spirit, meaning you got nothing to bring to the table, you're out of luck, you're out of it. The second Beatitude was mourning, we're mourning for our own personal sin. Who hates letting God down? Hate it. I absolutely hate it. And, and who mourns for the sins of the world? We hate it. In the condition of the world, it's messed up. We're mourning for it, and we know the solution is Jesus Christ. He's the answer to all of the problems. He is the answer. So there's a story that I just came across. Tonight, uh, let me read this real quick first. Let me set this up. I'm so amped up on this because I, this this. Story I'm going to tell is probably my favorite story in the Bible. I know I say that a lot, but this really is this time. I love this. This is one of my favorite ones. But tonight we're talking about in ver in chapter five, in verse five, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Another version would say that are meek. And here's the thing: when you apply for a job interview in the world. A quality they're not really looking for is, I'm really meek. You, you know, because they equate meekness to weakness. And that's a thousand miles from the biblical description of what meek is. Meek, as my brother Tim would say, incredible strength under control. Right? So there's this story. I just came across the story. I thought it was really good. Um, I don't know the names because I forgot them. But the principle you'll understand. So there's a guy that was a platoon leader in Vietnam. This is a true story. He later went on to be part of uh, Bush's cabinet in the area of self-defense somewhere. He was a pretty big deal. But during Vietnam, he and his buddy were on patrol, and his buddy got sniped, dropped in his feet, and he, he perished instantly. Immediately, he radioed in and had the full backing of the United States Army to wipe out this village, to take it out, to he was enraged. He looked and turned to a young man that was with him, probably 18, 19, 20 years old at the time, and in his face, everything in this young man was saying, don't do this. Do not do this. He got back on the radio. He called them off. They called off the strike. When he went into the village, it was nothing but children. The sniper had come in, and he had left as quickly as he came in. Because of the one person speaking Sense into the man, he uh, acquiesced, two big words. That's pretty amazing. 
and relented and didn't take it out. That was strength under control. He had every right in some ways to eliminate the threat, but he chose not to. You can picture Jesus has every right to take us out, but he doesn't. He chooses to instead engage us. He came and died for us. While we were yet sinners, I wasn't quite as bad as Pete, but I was pretty bad, right? But the ground is level at the cross for all of sin, all fall short of the glory, all of us. There's no one righteous, no, not one. Even our best things are nothing but filthy rags in the presence of a holy God. So it kind of levels the whole field. We're all in a big, bad situation, if not for the coming king again. So this story, you guys know the story of Naaman? It's a great story. To me, there's so much in here because it illustrates pride. It illustrates the opposite of pride, humility or meekness. Uh, It's just so good. At this time, I'll set the table for you. Israel's being naughty. Imagine that. This is probably written around 800 uh, before Christ fall apart. So by by now, Israel's already said, hey, thanks, we we appreciate it, but we're going to do things our way, uh, and that's not working out real well because now they're under subjugation of Aram. Aram is modern-day Syria, Lebanon, Turkey, maybe a little bit of Jordan. At that time, it would have been called Aram. So Israel uh, is under their, it's just got them down. They're subjugated. So they're taking people back, and they're making them slaves, and all this stuff is Aram. And this is where we step into the story. You ready? This is found in 2 Kings chapter 5. Diane's like, didn't you just do that message two years ago? Because she knows. I did, but it just fits so well with what we're talking about tonight, so I'm going to do it again. And I, I just love the stories. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. So here it is. Naaman had leprosy. Naaman was kind of a big shot. He would have been kind of second in command to the king of Aram. And did you notice here when it says the command? This is a bummer, by the way. It's really shadowy. Oh, okay. Cool. That's a lot better. So here it is, a pagan nation, guys. This is a pagan nation. They don't worship God. They have multiple gods. And it says here that the Lord gave Naaman great victories. To me, that speaks of God being sovereignly controlled. He's going to use this pagan nation to bring judgment on God or on the people of Israel. You get that? Now I can just stand. Oh, that's good. This going to be a challenge for me to just stand here. I can do it, though. Because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty, mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Leprosy in the New Testament is a picture of sin. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given the name his wife as a maid. 
So here he is, the general, the, the, the guy that had all the, all the victories for the, this pagan nation, had brought this little Jewish girl, presumably on a raid, went and grabbed her, took her home. Now, when it says little, it would have meant, uh, in the original text as I read it, it would have been the least of the least. You know, in the Jewish culture, women were nothing. Especially little ones, they, they, and even in any of those cultures, they were nothing. So here she is. She's uh, his slave, servant. At his beck and call. Okay? One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. To me, this little girl, maybe, we don't know, maybe she saw her parents perish. Maybe she uh, saw family perish. She had been removed from her country, brought back and put in a pagan country, and she wished her captive well. Wow. How many, if you got dragged away from home and you got put in a, a terrible state like Illinois, <laughs> under lock and key, would pray for that guy? Just say, oh, man, I wish, he, I wish he'd get a hold of Jesus. You know, we need to be praying for a lost world. The world is dying. They're going to hell. They're lepers. If you don't know Jesus, you're a leper, right? You're an outsider. How many of us pray for that neighbor that drives you crazy? Or that boss? That boss that's uh, a jerk or a co-worker that's a jerk or whatever it might be that uh, have you kind of subjugated? Are we praying for them? I know we should be, but I need to pray more, right? There are a few people that, if you're honest, just to... Be honest for a second. Sometimes you wish, Lord, you come down there and smote them and smite them. You remember, remember in the New Testament when uh, the boys asked Jesus, hey, why don't we call down some thunder and hook them up, Jesus? And Jesus, you don't know what spirit you're speaking of. That's not the spirit of Jesus. When you want to take matters in your own hand and take vengeance on yourself, that's not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ is going, I want to pray for them. I want to help them. I want to come alongside them. doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they do, certainly. But we're in this world, but we're not of this world, right? And boundaries, I understand boundaries. There are some people you want to bless another town with and pray for them while they're over in that town, right? So my first point would be this. I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said, go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Wow. Now, if people are watching you at work, 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 not school, work, school, out in Walmart or whatever, would does your witness carry any weight? I mean, in other words, if you came to, hey, man, here's the deal. The problem, the solution to your problem is Jesus. He is the solution. He cures the lepers. Naaman actually listened to the little Jewish girl that was a servant in his house. So to me, already he's showing just a little bit of humility. He had every right to go, I'm not listening to you. 
First of all, I, I done stole you. I took you away. And now you work as my kitchen. You know, you're painting my house. I mean, I mean, uh, cleaning my house. No, I can't do that. I, you're put, laying bricks. So you're lesser than me. My point would be, does your witness, when people understand and they know that you're following Jesus, do they want to come to you when it hits the fan and they're looking for an answer or a way out? Will they find you? Have you lived your life with integrity? Hey, we all blow it. But I'm saying over the long haul, over the past five years, 10 years, 15, do you have a life that characterizes the things of Jesus? Do you have a life that characterizes what Christ spoke? Do you have a character that, that speaks the gospel? It's good news. This is great news, guys. So this girl must have had it because this guy actually listened. To me, uh, we could learn a lot from seeing how Naaman actually listened. Sometimes we'll listen to a big shot, but we won't listen to that person. It's like, who are you? I'm not hearing it from you. You're nobody. Put your hand up and say, I'm glad I'm a nobody. That's connected to the somebody. It takes all the pressure off for me to be somebody. Okay, you're weird now, but I'm just saying. Right? It takes all the pressure off because we're all nobodies, guys. The ground is level. And I don't mean that... Uh, deprecatingly. Is that like three big words for me in one message? That's huge. I don't mean that self-deprecation where we go around saying, oh, I'm just a worm. I understand your, you know, more like understand your position in, in light of a holy God that's chosen to make you a friend through Christ. And remember, you didn't choose him. He chose you. That even makes you more humble. Like, you got a really raw deal, Jesus. But you know what? I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to run with this grace thing. And I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. Because if he can save me, he can certainly save you. So here, he, here she is. Well, go and see the man. Uh, go, see, go and see the prophet. Okay. Uh, Naaman told the king what the young girl had said. Go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him. I will take a letter, all that stuff. A lot of money, a lot of stuff. With this letter, I present my servant, Naaman. I want you to heal him of leprosy. Now, you're seeing the opposite of humility. I am the king, sending a lot of money. He works for me. I want you to heal him. That's not really the right way to present yourself to Jesus. You know, it's really not the, the right thing to do. Uh, you come to Jesus with nothing. So anyway, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, This man sends me a leper to heal? Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's trying to pick a fight with me. Okay, so here's the king of Israel. He's kind of naughty. His name is Joram. He was, you know, they were all pretty much bad. They were a handful. They were kind of good, and they got off track and whatever. But this guy, had he had any sense at all, he would know, I can't heal you, but I got a guy that does. He had no connection with the God of Israel. He was a, just a king, like a puppet king. He was in complete disobedience. Had he been uh, in connection with God, he would have said, oh, this is wonderful. Go and see the prophet. I don't speak for the In those days, God spoke primarily to the prophets, and the prophets would disperse truth. In these days, somebody turn to your Bible, Hebrews 11 and chapter 1. Stand up and read that. That's a great verse. I love paper. 
Hebrews 11.1, 1, stand up with your big baritone loud voice or tenor or alto, whatever. doesn't matter. I'm not even sure which one's which. 11.1, thank you, Alpha, in the back. Now remember, we're talking about God in those days spoke to prophets. The prophets, so the God of Israel or the, the king of uh, Israel at the time should have known, oh, great, this, you don't see me, go to the prophet. So he had no connection. He was like, uh, there's nothing going on. Okay, Alpha. I'm sorry, Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. Like, that's, but that's good too. All these ones are really messing me up. 1.1. One, 1.1. One. Hallelujah. How about that? Aren't you glad you don't have to go find a prophet somewhere? You don't have to come and see Randy or Barry or anybody else. You can have, you know, because the Holy Spirit inhabits each of us that have called on Jesus in our temples. We're the temple, right? Isn't that great? But this guy had no clue. He's getting all worked up thinking, what is going on? This guy's trying to pick a fight. Who is this guy? Blah, blah, blah. And by tearing his clothes, meant I am upset. I'm in, I'm in mourning, blah, blah, blah. But watch this. When Elisha... The man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay. He th sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send name it to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet in Israel. What's, don't, what are you getting all worked up for? Just send him over here. You should have you known immediately if you'd have been walking in obedience, you would have sent him to me without me having to tell you to send him to me. You would already know. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Stop. I want you to picture the scene. I'm a big deal. I'm, I'm Naaman. I'm just a little messed up. I got this leprosy thing going. So I'm going to bring all this money. I'm going to bring all of this stuff, probably a whole entourage, and I'm going to roll up in front of your house. You'll see this, and trust me, you'll come flying out to see me. Right? Elisha's just kicking it. He knows God. Again, the ground is level. He's just kicking it. Hey, uh, send my messenger. Go out there and tell him what, what has to happen. Can you imagine how infuriating? Now, that's the first sign, at least at this point, that we're seeing a little bit of the pride kind of well up. Did you notice the name of the message is One Trick Pony? You know what my one trick is? Jesus. The only trick I have, I don't have any tricks. When people say, how'd you get to be such a blessed life? Jesus. Oh, here he goes with that again. Whatever. It's true. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You ask anybody that's been blessed, anybody that's been pulled out of the pit, and they'll point to Jesus because we know that he's the one that did it. And if, it, and if just, they scratch their heads, I'm like, what? Jesus? But I got all this money. I'm bringing money, and I'm bringing a big name. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, right? So all that stuff that we got that we're bringing in, not only the bad stuff, Pete, but all the good stuff gets all buried with Christ. 
Paul even says it's all rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. You don't bring anything to the table. You come empty-handed. Naaman's coming with all this stuff. Look at all this. I got some silver. I got some the latest model chariot. Uh, I got old boy there. He's a big deal. And Elisha said, okay, go on down there and tell him. Okay? Picture the scene. Send a messenger out with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. Seven in the Bible is a picture of completion. And contrary to what many of you are saying, this is not leprosy on my neck. This is spots that from a fair-skinned person being in the sun too long. And don't even ask me to look at the top of my head, my elbow, the back of my hands. So a lot of people think that maybe the leprosy was something else besides a skin condition, uh, but leprosy, but nevertheless, he was messed up. And his, uh, his remedy was, hey, just tell a boy to go dunk himself in the Jordan River seven times, and that should take care of it. Can you imagine how upset? I traveled all this way. I got a special degree from the Lord that went to your king, prophet. I got all this money, all my boys, the latest model chariots and all this stuff, and you're going to make me go and dip myself in the Jordan River seven times? Are you kidding me? It's like somebody, when I say, you know your problem? You're bound up in drugs, pornography, alcohol, and all kinds of wickedness and sinful activity. And you're going to hell because if you don't get that monkey off your back, you will end up there. Oh, God, what am I going to do? I'm so filthy. Go and give your life to Jesus. Oh, come on. Here we go. That's the only way. Seven is seven times its completion. To be completely covered and cloaked in Christ is what we need. So when God looks at heaven, he doesn't see your funkiness. He sees the blood covers you, your imputed righteousness. It's been given to you. You didn't earn it. You didn't bring all your money. It's not your name. It's not your money. It's not all your stuff. It's simply coming to Jesus and being forgiven. It's the perfect sacrifice, hence the seven. It's such a great picture. When we read the Old Testament, it's really important to open up your mind and your spirit. Ask God what the meaning behind the words on the paper is. What are you saying? Yes, it's a story. This really happened. But there's also so many lessons and applications for this and types and shadows of Jesus all through the Old Testament. It's pointing to Jesus. You can't get out of the Old Testament without being pointed to. I'm pointing you to Jesus because guess what? It's all about him. Always has been, always will be. The Old Testament forward, looking forward to Jesus. The New Testament looking back on the event that's already happened. So here he is. I'm saying, go wash yourself seven times. Oh, it just sounds so easy. I was really hoping it'd be something else. I remember the old preacher. Part of you guys have heard the story. And I remember looking him right in the eye. In fact, I talked to him the other day. Lynn and I both did. She was like, that's Gary Stefania? Wow. It's been years. Anyway, I said, Gary, I remember when he told me, I go, Gary, we, we've done bad things, especially her. <laughs> that's, but we've done a lot of bad things. And you're telling me I can be forgiven and set free simply by giving myself to Jesus it sounded absurd. It sounded radical. It sounded like, oh, it sounded awesome, but it sounded too good to be true. Go dump yourself in the river seven times, and you'll come out clean. It's faith. It's faith. For it's grace you've been saved. It's a gift. This isn't of yourself. It's a gift. 
So I'm like, man, wow. Okay. Wow. I knew I was saved. So here we go. End the story. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. <laughs> right? You know, you want to wreck a party. Reagan knows. You want to drop you want to drop a party? Wreck a party? Drop the name Jesus. You talk about God. You can talk about the big man upstairs. You can talk about uh, my higher power. But when you drop the name of Jesus, you have officially entered into the combat zone. Right? There's power in the name of Jesus. Just the mention of his name. So I'm going out with some friends from uh, school. Let's just say they knew the other guy. They knew Rando. (laughs) A whole other thing. They don't know Randy. They've never met the God-fearing, Holy Spirit, Scripture-believing Randy. They may have heard about him, but you have not met him. And for many years, my boundaries were up. It ain't happening. I'm not going out with you. I don't want to do dinner. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Because there was a time that I had to do that to remove myself from it. And it got nefariouser after I met them. It got, is that, yeah, is that a word? More nefarious? My activity got a little bit, I really went to the all-star level, party man. But they called the other day. Actually, I called them. I said, hey, I'd love to see you guys, because I would love to see them. I know they don't know Jesus. One's a Jew, great man, has a great successful business, flies like he's a big deal. And the other guy, he's a religious uh, person, but he does not know Jesus. You have not dumped in, jumped into the Jordan River. You may have heard about it. You may have even gone under two times, but you have not clothed yourself in the righteousness that comes only through knowing Jesus. You haven't done it, and I know this, and I have the answer. There's a prophet, and his name is Jesus, soon to be coming king, and you need to go meet him. I'm the little Jew girl. because he. I'm thinking, check this out. This is a side story. Now, this is not a squirrel. It pertains. It pertains. Not a squirrel. Dang it. Hey, that's my first squirrel I've had in months, man. That is. But this pertains, so we're going to eradicate the squirrel when I bring it all the way back around. Thank you, Jesus. Well, because I don't have anything really good, but I got it all in the name of Jesus. I am a rich man, and so are you, right? These guys have so much stuff and so much money, and they're handsome. Well, I got that going. Good. Thanks, Lynn. Uh, I, I was going to kind of walk out all together, and I, I even washed my Corolla. It had some flaking paint on the roof, so I had a car wash the flaking paint off, so now it's at least level. And I, I was all ready. Well, wouldn't you know it, I got sick that night and wasn't able to meet my friends for dinner. But I had already purposed. You see, I was going to walk out all together and find the coolest-looking Jeep like Randy's or something like that. Kind of walk out. Hey, yeah. Oh, i got to go to the restroom. Gotta catch you later. They would never know. I just kind of, as soon as they were gone, jump on my Corolla. Well, when you know it, I really did get sick. Ain't that funny? That's completely a side story. It had nothing to do with maybe a little pride on my part. My point was I was going to let them know about Jesus because now I'm in a season in my life that I don't have to worry about those things. There are times that you do. You put your boundaries up. You don't go and change people, places, and things until you get some mooring. 
unto you, and you don't care what they think about you. You don't. I'm doing what I got to do. In your recovery and first coming to Christ, you can be as selfish as you want to in the early years of your walk. And later you find out it's not about you, it's about them. Right? How are they going to know if you don't go? But sometimes I think we make the mistake and go too early before you've been sent. So, go wash yourself. Seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be destroyed. Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. Do you know who I am? Like Jack Nicholson said, nobody cares what you think. <laughs> I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. You know, I, people see your witness and they want what you have. And they come to church. Maybe they come to your Bible study. Maybe they come to your home for dinner. We have a lot of people with a lot of hospitality around. Praise God. Right? And if we could go, we would be at people's houses every night because it's like, good Lord. I can't be all things to all people. But I thank you for the hospitality of this church. So they come into your church and in, in, in into your lives. And they break bread with you. And it doesn't happen for them in, in like two seconds or three seconds or three weeks. And they leave like you're expecting this is hard. You guys understand coming to Jesus and working out your salvation with fear, reverent fear, and trembling is a hard thing to do. And, and who is not really, I don't want to say happy with where you are, but kind of satisfied where you are? I want to know the Lord on a deeper level. Who is, who is that tonight? Me and, right, right. But, but we're, con, we're content in knowing Christ, but yet we're, we understand that we're in the shallow end of the pool and Christ is so immense and enormous we want to keep going. And we don't beat ourselves up for that, right? So here he is thinking, I was going to know it all and be done. And like, cleaned, I'm out of here. And I see so much frustration in the saints sometimes when they come to Christ and it doesn't really work out like they thought. And they just bail. They just leave. Like, well, you're half done. You know, the picture of, Going into, uh, we are always to be going in the Jordan seven times. And we won't, we won't get that seventh dunk till we're with him in glory when we're actually made perfect like we'd never sinned, right? So maybe we just keep going back to the Jordan, getting in, keep going. But so many people give up before it even happens for them. And it's a shame. We hate that. We do take it personal. When we see people check out and say deuces, I, I, it, it's a hit. I even told them the other day, we need a win. We need a win. And somebody gets saved. And they, they get saved last week. They get baptized last week. And then I've been talking to him on the phone. And he didn't check out. They had other engagements. And the cool thing about it was he called me and let me know, hey, I'm not going to be there tonight. And I was like, praise God. You called me. You manned up, called me, because he was kind of scared that you're not letting me down. It has nothing to do with it. Just don't quit. It doesn't happen like I'm waving my wand and you're super saint overnight. Look at you go. You don't ever have to go to Bible study. You can skip. You can just come around once in a while. God's going to do it all. You have to cooperate with the Spirit. You have to cooperate with Him. There's a thing that we do called sanctification, called training, disciplining your body. Paul said, I beat my body into subjection. I tell this what to do. My flesh does not tell me what to do anymore. 
You die to the desires of your flesh. You walk into spirit, and then you don't satisfy your desires of your flesh. It's so easy. It's very difficult. Simple, but it's difficult. I expect him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call in the name of the Lord, and his God would heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpor better than any of the rivers of Israel? There's a word that starts with P and ends with E. Thank you. That's what it is. That's, it, that's number two, right? He's done this twice now. I can't believe this. He came there in humility, but it didn't quite work out like he wanted. Now he's leaving disgusted with pride. Maybe these terrible old rivers. Why should I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned around and went away in a rage because it didn't quite go his way. Who doesn't like it when it doesn't go your way? Sinners. That the way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Religion, morality, good works, all of these things won't get you any closer to heaven. In fact, it'll keep you out because you think you're okay and you're not. We know this, saints, right? Okay. But how many love good counsel? We really can't. This is a, uh, yeah. Okay. So, you know, good counsel is this kind of counsel. They only give you the good news. They never tell you the bad news. Who said right? Where are they at? Carol. In the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom, right? So when uh, you're, there's, there's a scripture, I think it's, in Proverbs, early 5, 6, 7, 8, somewhere between 1 and 20 or whatever, 31. Somewhere in there, it says, uh, if you rebuke a fool, he'll tear you to pieces. If you rebuke a wise man, he'll love you even more. There have been times in my walk that I was intersected with a person with a hard truth and with everything in my flesh, but then we're dying to the desires of the flesh, right? Everything in my flesh is like, you know what? Okay. We die to those desires. You receive instruction, and you become wiser than you were before you ever spoke the word. And you come to love people like that because they're like, man, I love them, man. That was hard. I'll knock you out, man. And then you get home, and then the spirit starts dealing with you. Oh, he was right. I am kind of an idiot. <laughs> my bad. I'm sorry, Lord. And then you call the fella or the girl and say, I'm sorry, I, you know, I was out of line, I, you know, I blew it. And they say, okay, it's cool. And you get on with it. And you all learn and grow from it. So watch what happens with this guy. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. Right? So here it is. If you had a person bound up by alcohol, anybody ever been bound up by alcohol, pornography, heroin, meth? In this church, there's a whole list. Except for the young people, you're, you've been washed and walking with the Lord, and you're going to remain that way, and you're going to become a living witness and a testimony that can be done and a light, right? As we pass the baton on to you guys, and it's amazing, it encourages us. You guys are a big win. 
Your folks too, of course. Because of them, amen. But, I totally forgot where it was. Thank you. Bound up. If you were told at that time, hey, give me a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or 15,000 bucks or go run a marathon, would you do it to become free? Would you do, do we get a gift to go to heaven? Hey, you can buy it, right? Would, would you do it? But simply saying, come to Jesus, give your life to Jesus, take his yoke and put it on and learn from me, humble yourself. Would you do that? That's a lot harder to do. Why not? You know, I got that uh, charge card. I do that. So his fellows come to him and said, no, he's not asking you to do anything. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want anything else. He's simply saying, go wash yourself in the Jordan, and you won't do it. You'd rather live with that funky skin than humble yourself and simply go and wash yourself in the river. I don't get it. I see it all the time, though. We see people's lives that are a uh, certain kind of show. <laughs> Right? And you're saying, okay, okay, let's just, let's just, let's just look at this. Um, you have your life, and it's a certain kind of show. And it's been a certain kind of show for a long time. And it's not going to change anytime soon. We, you look at, like, believers' lives. Not that it's perfect. So look at your life. It's a show of sorts and look at this life it's a christ show it's a blessing show and you won't you don't want to come to jesus to get that you want that i see it all the time like wow i can't believe you wouldn't simple what is it about coming to jesus that's so hard because you have to be called it does seem to be too good to be true but it takes longer than a month Six months, a year, you have to continue to sow to the Spirit. And if you, if you don't give up, eventually you reap. I believe that we're in a reaping season now of sorts here. We've been sowing to this thing for a long time, and there have been some rough seasons. But we continued just sowing that good seed, planting along the way, and we're beginning to see some awesome stuff. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's, and he was healed. Hallelujah. Is that great? Wow. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Here's some humility. Here's some humble. Here's some meekness. I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept the gift from your servant. Notice, he came to buy it. He said, you know, your money's no good here. We don't want it. He gets healed. Now he wants to give it back as gratitude. Completely different. There's no money exchanging. The healing has already happened. Now I'm singly giving it to you as gratitude. So when we come to Jesus in all of our funk, the reason we serve 
The reason we do all the things that we do, whether it's building or whatever we do, we do it not to pay them off. We do it because we're grateful and we cannot believe you saved it and made me clean. You cleansed me from my real problem. I was a leper, sinner, and you cleansed me and covered me with, the, you know, with white, beautiful skin. Now we serve out of a grateful heart. Isn't that great? Takes all the pressure off. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gifts, Elisha refused. Then Naaman said, all right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me. From now on, I will never offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, God was, everybody knew that God was with Israel. It was his chosen means to reveal truth to the world. It was his chosen means to eventually bring the Messiah to the world, right? So Naaman recognized that. And he said, listen, I got to go back home, but I'm going to take some earth with me every time I think about the earth and every time I do my sacrifices and all these things that I'm going to do for the Lord, I'm going to be on the God of Israel's soil. I have to go. It's, to me, it speaks of you're in the world, but you're not of it. You should think every time you're in your study or wherever you do your thing, there's a little bit of God's soil because you are on holy land because of what Christ has done for us. Isn't that great? And we're free. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. We know this. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of, his, of the god Rimen to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow to. Go in peace, Elisha said, so Naaman started home again. I think it's cool that he was totally rejecting all of the um, pagan ways. He repented all of it. He was now recognizing there is only one God. There is only one. But also, when I have to go into an environment, like a work environment, where maybe they don't believe like I do, and maybe you have to do some things, not necessarily against what the word says, but you do some things, you're forgiven. You understand that, right? I'm not talking compromise. I'm talking about, oh, I just can't stand. He said some naughty words. Get over it. If, if you're, and, and Pete on a construction site, Joshua, Barry, Alpha, how many naughty words do you hear in one day? I mean, you know, that's just kind of how they talk. That's just kind of what happens. And you're not the moral tongue police. You don't go around telling everybody. I mean, there are a few words. And if, Now, if he's a brother, if he calls on the name of Jesus, he's open game. If he's a Christian brother and he's been saying this and he's talking like an idiot or doing things that Christians, unbe how about this, conduct unbecoming an officer of the Lord, you have every right to approach him in private. Hey, dude, can I talk to you? It's hard working here or living here or doing whatever you do here, especially uh, to have a brother like you talking like them. But I would say uh, stop being prudes. You're living in a fallen world. You're to insulate, not isolate. I guess we could wholly huddle up. Don't go out there, guys. It's bad. <laughs> Only come back here. Don't talk to anybody. God's sake, don't look them in the eye. They're evil. 
Go out, shine for Jesus, for the sun, shine for them. And then watch your witness when, they, when it hits the fan. You'll be like that little Jewish girl, and they'll come, hey, man, I got, I got the solution for your problem. I know you're struggling with your marriage. I know you're struggling with your job. I know you're struggling with your finances. I know this, and I can point you to the prophet, the king of kings, all kings, the Savior, Lord. I can put you in touch with them. I know him personally. I'm his friend. I'm actually an ambassador. I can put you in touch with them, and he can help you, and he can fix you, and he can cure you. Your biggest problem isn't whatever your ailment. Your biggest problem is you're a sinner, and you're covered with leprosy. And you can go and meet Jesus, and you can follow him and give your life to him. You can be immersed in Christ, and you can come out clean. How are they going to know if you don't tell them? That's it. That's what we have. And again, I'm a one-trick pony. This is what we have. We have Jesus. We have the God of the Bible. The God, that's what we have. So we're going to pray, and then uh, I don't think we're doing anything after service, right? If any of you need prayer for anything, we'll look, look for one of us. You got guys with the lanyards around their necks, some prayer guys, some prayer ladies. So if you guys need prayer for anything, uh, we'd be honored to pray with you. And if you don't know Jesus uh, that we speak of, I would definitely get in touch with some, me with any of the men, women in here, and we can simply point you to him. There's a way to approach Jesus. There's a way to do it right. You have to humble yourself, recognize that you have nothing to bring to the table, recognize that he's crazy in love with you, and he gave his life for you, and you give your life to him. That's it. Pretty simple, right? Father God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that you are our Savior, Lord, but you're also way more than that, Lord. You're, our, you're sitting at the right hand of the Father right now praying for us as we stand, sit here, Lord. You are soon to be coming, King, coming back to get us and bring us home, Lord. So we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do, Lord. We just are grateful, grateful people, Lord. Give us the lips, loose our lips, and let us tell about the one true King, the God of Israel, Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.